Hey everybody, St. Paul here. Welcome to episode 46 of Music on the Run. Wait till you hear who my next guest is. Great guitarist from New York. Another double P. Paul Pesco is coming right up. Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and like what you're hearing, make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey everybody, I'm St. Paul Peterson. Prince gave me that nickname, and I've been lucky enough to tour with people like the Steve Miller Band, Kenny Loggins, Peter Frampton, Donny Osmond, to name a few. And when I'm not playing music, I love to run. And this is a podcast about how we stay healthy on the road, physically, mentally, and with our families. Welcome to Music on the Run. Hey everybody, St. Paul here. Welcome to episode 46 of Music on the Run. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, We don't take that for granted. We love having you come here. We're uh, almost up on two years of doing this podcast. Wow. I know. Now, since our last podcast, let me fill you in on some current events. I got a chance to do a gig with Mr. Jared Lawson, who was a previous guest on this show. Very cool. And we had such a blast. And uh, I got to admit one thing. Okay, so this is music on the run. I'm supposed to be leading by example and, you know, stay in good shape. I got to tell you, I'm in a little bit of a uh, funk as far as running goes. Mm. And I don't know why. It's just one of those things where I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just not motivated right now. But I, uh, it, it's good for me to kind of be honest with you guys because it's going to kick me in the butt to get out there and do it again. So those of you who are not motivated to get out and run, let's you and I make a pact and make sure that we start being healthy because it, uh, you know, for me, running has always been great mentally, of course, physically, and it's time to get back out there. Sometimes we can overload our plate. I know my next guest knows all about how to overload his plate, (laughs) but uh, let's just make a pact. Let's get back out there, you know, uh, wipe the slate clean. And uh, time to uh, start running again or doing whatever it is that you do to stay healthy. All right. So without further ado, uh, oh, I almost forgot. I got a gratitude segment as well. This is our third installment of that. And the gratitude segment is all about our patrons. And you're going, Who, what are you, who's your patron? There is an opportunity for you to help us financially put on this podcast the way you do that is by going to www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. And there you can kind of put some skin in the game and help us put this uh, podcast on. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of technology, as you see and hear, and a lot of people involved. And it's a labor of love, but it does cost money to do this. And we sure appreciate your help. There's some goodies you can get as well. There's a few different levels. Check it out patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. And I want to uh, shout out to two of our $10 a month people. Thank you, Nancy Anderson and JD Washington for your support. You guys have been hanging in there with us for the entire ride. So we appreciate you so much now. Whew. All right. My guest today is an old buddy of mine. Oh, yes. He's had so many cool high profile gigs. It's been so much fun to watch. He's a songwriter, a, a film score composer, a guitar player, of course, artist, producer, musical director. And he just told me the other day uh, that he's played on over 200 albums. Dang. Uh, he's played, well, some of those records are with Madonna, J-Lo, Hall & Oates, to name a few. Please welcome my guest. Paul Pesco, double P. In hello, house. hello, hello. My brother, thank you for sitting tight on that intro. You know, we gotta, we gotta be honest with the, uh, with the people who are listening in here, trying to get inspired. Of course, yeah, no, you gotta be out and running. I'm like feeling like a, a load. You gotta be straight up about it. You know, it, I, I'm kind of going through the same thing, but uh, for very good reason, though. Why? I see, What's going I, I, on? Well, well, see, I'm, 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 I never really like to run that much. Okay. But I'm a bicyclist, as you well know. Well, that's like if fine. Ever, whatever anytime whatever gets you going. Right. But it's funny. I uh, recently was working, uh, well, a number of years ago, I, I worked on an album with, with Greg Beak. 
uh, who I'm okay. sure you're friends with, uh, it was uh, actually Daryl Hall's last solo album. And oh, wow. we were we were like we we worked in Harbor Island. We worked uh, we worked in several different studios around the world in a way. And uh, you can't always have a bicycle with you. And Greg's a big runner. So he goes, nah, okay. all you need is shoes, man. Just some good shoes and get out there. And, you know, we would do like five miles would be far for me, you know? Yeah. But, uh, he would, he, we would, uh, he, he got me into it though, man. I'll, I can go do a 10 mile run and, and love it. You know, I, uh, I'm really into it, but I have to go back eight months now, uh, or, or about seven months. I ha- had a, um, I act- actually had torn a, um, a ligament called, well, uh, something called the supraspinatus on my, on my right side, Super which spinatus. superspinatus, exactly. <laughs> Well, those of uh, those of you who know anatomy, you can look yeah. that up, and it's it's a top stabilizer, right? But uh, I had torn it. I had some gear in the back, and I I did that one move while driving. You know, oh, let me grab my backpack. The strap must be stuck under something, you know, under under road case or something. So I gave it a big tug. No, I gave oh, it a no. three body, big yeah. tug, and I I gave it a huge tug, and it still didn't come. It I my shoulder was different. I had oh. to actually have surgery last november yeah no ac- last october uh and so i was like not riding bicycle not right ri- running or anything even on the treadmill just like chill for like three months not even move you know i couldn't even play guitar really that was really kind oh. of a drag so now i'm kind of getting back into it i got my strength you know i've, I've been doing like some a little bit of uh, the therapy you know physical therapy but um i'm ready to hit the trail now man you know, I'm, let me I'm, ask you something. We aren't even into music yet, but this is fascinating. How do you have surgery in the middle of a pandemic? That is, yes. Well, it was uh, it was definitely uh, disconcerting, and uh, my wife was worried. Uh, but uh, we made it through. It was with some great, uh, a, a great orthopedic surgeon who they yeah. actually used this machine that uh, I I was. Actually, I wasn't under. I was under, so I wasn't even conscious for it. But they explained it to me. They were uh, able to get it done fairly quickly, and you know, everybody was masked up, and so. Jeez. Without him, you're you're in New York, right? Yes. Up upper upper New. Uh, I'm in upstate. upstate right? Yeah, yeah, up, upstate. Up, what, what, yeah, what we call upstate, but uh, yeah, people who actually live upstate consider this downstate. So we're like kind of somewhere in the middle, but north of New York City by okay. uh, about eighty miles. In Dutchess County, it's it's be- it's quite beautiful here, really. All that. Now, you and I have known each other for uh, so long. I can't even remember when we met. Do you? I do. do re- I remember when I first met you. It was at a recording studio called Sorcer- Sorcerer Sound. Oh, okay. And uh, we were working on uh, Step by Step. Uh, Jeff Lorber record. Jeff Lorber album. And uh, you were there already. I got there. With, I, was, I remember walking in. You're just like kind of leaning down in, the, in this... Uh, Alcove, uh, uh, they had uh, Al Firestein, who who owns uh, Sorcerer, who owns, uh, he's a great acoustician. He's one of the acousticians of New York City. He goes and tunes Avery Fisher Hall or something, you know, or Radio City. So, you know, he's one of those guys, takes readings and says, okay, we need some absorption here. We got to get rid of 80 hertz over here, you know. But uh, he, that's his studio. And we did the first uh, system album. I've did some of the first sessions I ever did right there on that on Mercer Street it, down in really? uh, in in Soho, south of Houston, Houston right. Street. Right? People right. call it Houston Street. That's how you know if people are from New York or not. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking for Houston Street. I don't know where High Houston Street is. <laughs> yeah. So, but Dude, um, I, I got to. Re- I, I remember that as well, and that was one of the first breaks I ever had getting a song on a record and that was uh, a song called Groovacious. Wow. And Jeff Lorber wanted me to come out for that. And uh it was Mick and and uh and David. David Frank yeah. who David produced Fr- that record and I think they flew me out. I'd never been to New York City before. Wow. I think I was 18 years old. I was scared to death and didn't have a nickel in my pocket. I didn't know I think I had spent a certain amount of money getting from the airport down to the studio. Had no more money to get to the airport, so I think I figured out how to get money out of the uh, a credit card or something like that. But I was <laughs> terrified. Hey, I, I had a car. I, I would have given you a ride, man. I know. I should have asked you. Yeah, just me. ask. 
I know. I a, my, 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 old, I'll my, my old beat up Chevy. Oh, I, man. I, I, <laughs> Tell me about those early days of uh, session work in New York City. What was, well, what was that? How'd you get into that? that? Well, it's very interesting. It's, it's a, I, uh, well, it's at all. I, I grew up out in Long Island. I went to high school. Well, I, I grew up everywhere, kind of all, all, all over the place. Um, from Ro- the Rochester area, upstate. Oh, okay. Well, truly upstate. It's right at, you know, right at the Canadian border, practically. Um, but uh, that's where my, my dad grew up. Uh, in the around the Finger Lakes, Canandaigua. Uh, I don't know if you know upstate New York much, but uh, we we lived there uh, until I was about eight, and then we moved down to Long Island. And right. uh, so, my father is a music teacher and opera singer. So we lived uh, we lived in Long Island for one year, and that was in 1968. And then we moved to Germany for five years, where oh, my wow. my dad got, had gotten a gig. Singing, uh, he's a you know singing professional opera in uh, an opera theater, and we'd always do like the summer festivals, uh, Tanglewood, Chautauqua. Um, you, you probably did. Did you ever do? Uh, was it Interlochen or something like that? There's, I know you. You. you, you, you I can't remember. <laughs> We've done. Well, you and I have done so many of those things that it just. Well, like, well, as a child, my dad was in a lot of these festivals, you know, the summer festivals. Tanglewood is one of them, and uh, mm-hmm. he'd, he'd be in the chorus or have a solo spot. And Chautauqua is another, uh, and it's in the, like, Chautauqua's upstate New York, uh, and uh, Tanglewood's in Massachusetts. And it's really kind of the, uh, the where the, the uh, Boston Symphony is in the summertime. So and, you, your love for music comes naturally it's, from it's, your it's like kind family. of my, the environment. Yeah, my father's right. a music teacher, and uh, uh, well, largely there was a lot of classical music in my, my house. Uh, we'd listen to you know Puccini, Verdi, uh, and uh, in in Germany we would be at the Wagner Festival every summer. You know, which is uh, Richard, Richard Wagner. But uh, my father uh, had this great record collection of just all you know all the. The, the classics but then he had like john coltrane's greatest hits and really that that it was like you know the atco uh release and it had giant steps on it it had um my favorite things mm-hmm. uh it had equinox on it which uh, is another, another song minor blues that that i just know since i was nine years old ten years old but just from listening to it i never i didn't really start playing guitar until i was about 12 but so we did had, you do? Did you do? Um, did you play other instruments? Before well, that, before we, we, you we all on the guitar. I reluctantly played piano. My, you know, my parents. Okay. My, yeah. my mom's Korean. My father, okay. you know, the music teacher. So, the classic Korean mom is just like you're taking, you're getting piano lessons from age five, from six. I got you news know, for you. That's every mother. Every. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we all had piano lessons. Uh, my, me and my three sisters. It was something. It's funny. I didn't absolutely. Love, I, I'm so glad that that I had that that experience because I'm not really. I'm not like you or or Ricky. You know, like. But I love being able to play piano and 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 you know write. It, it helps composing. I I just love being fluent and, uh, and with having the ability to play piano. So I'm eternally grateful to my parents for for pushing that on me. But. uh it's it's funny. I went through the various instruments in school. Like in fourth grade, I played trumpet. You know, I wanted to play oh. in the school band, and uh, it. I just kind of went through instruments until I landed at the guitar. Going, this is the one. I love. I love playing this, and I can just play forever. You know, and it it hurt. Yeah. You know, it, it, as you well know, with you know getting oh, yeah. calluses. But after a while, it's just just. I felt at most most at home on the guitar. Growing up, who did you love to listen to on the guitar? Who was your hero? Well, uh, it, it, there were various. Um, really, I, I, I kind of got into uh, like listening to uh, like Simon and Garfunkel, wow. uh, um, James Taylor. Um, so more folky. Yeah, it's really it's funny because that those were like the records that were kind of around, and they were friends of ours. My sister, wow. my my older sister Jeanette. Five years older than me and so there would she would ha, she had friends that would come over and there were a couple that played there was, i remember this one guy i think his name was dan uh get his last name but he had he had a guitar and he was good and he kind of sang like james Taylor. so 
he would come over and play and those were his things. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. And I remember the first song I ever learned was, was House of the Rising Sun. You oh, know, really? So it's, yeah, right. You know, this the A minor to C to, Heck, but yeah. it was kind of the standard of the day in the late sixties, early seventies, sure you know, but, uh, I really kind of got the fever when, and I don't, I still to this day don't know whose records they were, but they were left at our house and they, it's, they just stayed there. And I listened to them every day since uh, from the time that I discovered them. And that was Jimi Hendrix's smash hits and band of gypsies and okay. that's that that's what like made me crazy for that was it. for the guitar yeah i was like hey, all this folky stuff is cool but listen to that how, how does he do that and it was hendrix and then i discovered santana you know the oh, yeah. santana abraxas album and every song on that album were just it was just amazing you know his his guitar playing is so lyrical and just so connected to his his soul you know that that affected me how um, did you what was the moment that you decided this is what I'm going to do for a living? Yeah. I don't think that happened for a while, but the love for it happened right away. About 45, uh, 50 years old? Is that <laughs> what? Yeah, like last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but what's, what's interesting, though, is uh, living, we were living in Germany at the time. When, right. the, the, when I uh, got these records and uh, we were a couple of years into it. Uh, we had moved to a city called Hof on the Zala, which is Hof means like, uh, I guess, uh, stead or, or uh, home, you know, or okay. time is, is really home. But Hof would be like, a, I guess, town, town okay. on, the, on, on the Zala, which is Sala is a river, right? So uh, this, uh, and there was an Air Force base there. And so we would hang out with, we had a lot of friends. The first city we lived in in Germany, there was, wasn't even close. It was upstate. I mean, it was up in the north of the country and there weren't any uh, American uh, military around there. But so we were in the same town as a, an air force base. So we could go see American movies. I had American friends. And so we also, uh, I learned about the uh, AFN, the American forces network, which is the radio, oh, okay. the radio station in, uh, in all of Europe or anywhere we have military. There's the AFN you can listen to, and there's they have American programming, American English news, whatever. It's it's an American station. Right. Well, what they played on the AFN though was was f uh, really formative for me because in, in the years that I that we lived there was between '69 and '74, right? And so that was the golden age of funk, and sure. and, and uh, uh, you know Bobby Womack, uh, Al Green, James mm -hmm. Taylor, uh, I mean James Brown. <laughs> James yeah. Taylor, James, James, <laughs> James Brown, um, Sly and the Family Stone, uh, right. the Stylistics, the, the, uh, the Supremes, all the Motown stuff, um, Marvin Gaye. So all, they were playing R&B mostly. It was the pop of that day, but uh, it was a lot of the R&B and I, just, you know, hanging out at the dance parties and stuff. And it was just, uh, I, I really caught the fever listening to James Brown. James Brown band, those guitar players kind of, I locked into what they were doing and how they, they it was right. like a, it was like clockwork, you know, and they would be, uh, just the way the band inter, interlocked and the way they played time together, to me, uh, was something I, 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 uh, I noticed and I really fell in love with. And this is even a couple of years before really starting to play guitar. I, I kind of listened and, and, and internalized all this rhythm. It just became something that uh, I, I would, just like I was trying to sound like Jimi Hendrix or sound like all the, the rock and get the distortion stuff, I was really kind of into getting a like really super clean uh, strat or teletone, you know, and, and trying to sound like Jimmy Nolan or, uh, yeah, I don't remember who the other guitarist is uh, that played James Brown. But that became absolutely evident in your studio playing, and that's what I think you got, I, you, you, know, you know, you were well known for classic example is uh the monada records i mean oh yes word the guy it's like Corey wong is the clean player now and and you paved the way as being that guy you know you paved the way for Co people like Corey. there was a record be, uh in new york variety then yeah right i i it's funny i prided myself on that sound and in in that it, it's funny that that uh that chord that that from uh the band called sky it's called there's yeah. a song called call me Call me, 
and, and really, it's just this. It's uh, uh, it's fourths, yep. you know, stacked fourths. But it's really a kind of, it's a sus chord. Yeah. But, you know, that's that thing. Like, if you listen to Lucky Star, I was totally borrowing from Sky on that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the truth comes out in the yeah. lawsuit start, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. Call your lawyer. So you move back to the States. You get this gig at uh, SIR. Tell people well, okay. about... <clears throat> yeah, help. Bring us forward a little bit. Oh, okay, we move back to the States. I go back to... we finish. I'm finishing high school. I, you know, it's ninth, ninth grade to, you know, finishing finishing high school. And I was looking at... Uh, at schools, um, but uh, you know, it was Berkeley. We were looking at uh, various school. There's a, a school called Five Towns College out in uh, Long Island. And okay, I, I had gotten, I had started to work with these uh, these friends of mine who I'd met out in Long Island, um, just through being in bands. You know, uh, in high school, uh, I I met these these friends, these new friends that the, the guitar the gu- other guitar player was uh, uh, several years older, the guitarist and bass player. He had just gotten off tour with Lou Reed. This guy named Jeff Ross oh. had been touring with with Lou as a second guitarist and backup vocal. You know, he would sing you know, harmonies and and so then we we started writing songs and did a demo and sent it into the city. You know, to to over this guy um, Chris Charlesworth, who was the American editor for Melody Maker magazine, uh, heard our demo and said, "Man, you know, I think I want to manage you guys." And so he brought us over to a guy named Ashley Pandell. Who's uh, who used to own a club called Ashley's, which is this famous rock club on Fifth Avenue, back in the day in the, in the seventies, in the heyday of, of of rock. Yeah, and on any given before there was the China Club, there was yeah. a- there was Ashley's. Ashley's was right. the place everybody would go. Um, but Ashley was uh, one of Shep, Shep Gordon's uh, guys. Oh, he okay. uh, he was uh, one of his assistants, and he he and Carl Pandell. Would own, they owned a lot of restaurants and clubs in New York City and uh, worked with Shep, Shep being the manager of Alice Cooper, uh, which was one yeah. of the biggest rock bands at the, at the time, you know, one of the big, biggest artists. Shep now manages uh, celebrity chefs. Everybody. Yeah, oh, everybody, right. <laughs> and he lives in Maui, too. Lives in Maui, I know. Sure we enough, love Shep. We, we run into we, each other. We, uh, yeah, I always. Tyler and those guys. Yeah, love Shep. So, but Ashley uh, was one of Shep's junior managers. And so he took us on and uh, he put us, uh, so Ashley and Chris Charlesworth put my band, we were called Teaser with a Z. Okay. Yes. It was classic Long Island rock and roll. Teaser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Teaser. Yeah. Teaser. <laughs> Great. But, uh, but we did a big showcase at SIR and we rehearsed there for like months and, uh, it was on the big sh- on the sound stage, so it was the biggest thing I'd ever done, you know, to the time. I was like 17, 18 years old at the time, sure. and uh, it was it, there were there were two things that really stood out to me. The uh, one of the the text that was setting up the rehearsal text that was setting up gear for us. This guy Orville, he didn't show up for you know rehearsal one day. I'm like, hey, where's Orville? And they go, oh, Orville doesn't work here anymore. I'm like, oh, sorry. He goes, oh, no, no, no. He left because he got a gig. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, Orville plays bass. He's in a band called Stars now. He's out on the road. I'm like, Stars? Wait, that's that's a signed band. That's like a that's a that's a band that's out on the road. That it's like, that's it. <laughs> I'm getting a job here. No, that after that, that happened after you know, uh, thing. We did this big showcase. It was great, and um, I met a bunch of people. I actually be, became really good friends with. Uh, with Rick Derringer through our showcase, he he came up to me and I was just one of the huge fan, and uh, right. he, he complimented me on on the tone and what I was doing and my solos. So we we really hit it off. Um, and uh, I also uh, uh, well that introduced me to that world. And uh, I'd look up on the on the marquee, and on any given time at, at the studio, there would be you know the Kiss would be on the sound stage, the Village People in Studio B. Uh, Billy Cobham's rehearsing in studio in in C with uh, you know I go in there and there's Charlie Singleton and, and Randy Jackson playing bass you know those, that's like when I first met Randy New, at, New York baby New York New York in the early eighties man or like late seventies early eighties it was right. it was incredible an incredible time I realized that I probably should get a job at SIR so <laughs> I ended up working there for about a year 
And uh, that's one day there was, they would have like rehearsals, but sometimes there would be big uh, um, auditions, you know, cattle call auditions. So sure. one day I'm setting up and there's like this line of girls. And uh, there was uh, an artist named Patrick Hernandez, uh, who's, uh, whose song you might recognize. We were born, <laughs> born to be alive. Oh yeah, <laughs> born to be sure that do. guy. That guy. Okay. okay. He, he he put out an APB uh, auditioning background singers. He needed three background singers for his American tour, and uh, so that day I was, you know, they were in the studio and there was this line of girls just coming through, and um, this one girl comes into the office and goes, "Hey, so what are you doing here?" And I'm like, "Well, uh, I'm running the place. This is 54th Street. Uh, there was a." There's SAR on 52nd, and the first one, the original one, was on 54th. So we were up there at the uh, older theaters, uh, I mean, the older um, uh, rehearsal studios, A and B. So they were in, in Studio A, and uh, she goes, well, what do you do here? I'm, I, I'm running the place. I'm a rehearsal tech, uh, and, you know, answer the phone, whatever. She goes, oh, okay. Well, I'm like, what's your name? She goes, Madonna. And I, you know, I go, well... Good luck with this. And uh, my name's Paul. And uh, that was just a random meeting. She just was, you know, came in and just was like checking the place out. Lo and behold, she was one of the three that got the gig. Oh, yeah. So she went to Paris or did this American tour. And then they ended up taking her to France. And apparently the story is that they wanted to sign her and and make a record with her in uh, in France. And she escaped got back to New York and got back together with the guys from Breakfast Club and Stephen Bray and we're mm-hmm. working on that. So from there, I ended up, uh, uh, after I had left SIR after the year, uh, the band called, uh, there's a band called Atlantic Star. They were one of the, oh, yeah. they, they rehearsed at SIR a lot. And um, I had been living, I was renting a, a, an apartment in White Plains and that's where they live. And so after rehearsal, they would uh, give me a ride. I wouldn't have to take the train. They, they'd give me right. a ride in the van back, you know, back to the White Plains. Um, but they, they ended up offering me a, uh, the uh, a utility man uh, position on their uh, tour in 1982 uh, uh, for the Radiance album. Was, uh, wow. they, they had, uh, you see, Sharon Bryant was singing with them and Porter Carroll was playing drums. Porter was on yeah, there. my boy oh, Porter. Our boy. He says hello to you, by the way. I'm actually interviewing those guys next. For, nice. Uh, the, the following. Nice, uh, nice, nice. He Very sends cool. his love. Very cool. Say, we have send, send love right back to him. Right Absolutely. back at you. Yeah, okay. So, we'll so he's, he, he's part of the, the, the family that, that offered me my first opportunity you know, to, to tour. How and, cool is uh, that? So, uh, it was, yeah, it was so cool. Um, uh, we, we were working at the studio, and I walk out of the studio one day. We're rehearsing to, to go in and record, and there's that girl, Madonna. She's like, you know, I'm like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? She goes, your band sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thank you, I think. She goes, no, right. but, no, but I like you. I like you, but I think you should be in my band. I'm like, Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, well, tell me about, what do you mean? Well, how do I know I want to be in your band? Can you sing for me? Can, I don't even know what, the, what your voice sounds like. And she, right at the point, sang, sang me something in that kind of, uh, that, out, that, that mousy Madonna voice from the first oh, album. Sure. And I was like, yeah. wow, okay, she was good. She was on pitch and she was, I mean, like, I liked her, you know, better than Keith's voice. Yeah, I liked Madonna's. I said, okay, well. What do I do? What do you want me to do? And she goes, can you come here Saturday at, uh, at noon and wear something cool? And here's some music. And uh, John Gordon, who's the, uh, the guitar player who was leaving, uh, was like a session guy. Really, yeah. good pro- really good producer, good writer. I mean, he had handwritten out charts. I still have them somewhere with instructions and all that. And how to use your Casio data bank to create the echo, the, 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 the alarm beep, then put it up to the pickup and put it through a digital delay. And it was like totally stuff that I, I, I had that same watch already. I was like, a total, right. I was a nerd. Um, but uh, so I, I got it and I, I nailed the, the rehearsal or the, the audition and got the gig. And 
David Frank was the keyboard player. Stephen Bray was the drummer. A guy named John Kay, who ended up playing with Bowie, was the bass player. And so that band right there, joining that, that band rehearsal for rehearsals early on, was like was key. You know, it was the beginning of it was before the system. You know, David had branched sure. off to to do the system, yeah. And uh, before Madonna really kind of hit it, but uh, we played. I played on those demos, and that was the su- that was just before Atlantic Star offered me the gig to go out on the road for the summer. So oh. I went. I went away for like three months. Um, David Frank ended up going out with a band called Clear, and uh, that on that tour that same year, nineteen eighty two. Uh, Mike Murphy was the uh, was the tour manager for Clear, and that's how David Frank and Mike connected. Meanwhile, I was out on the road with with Atlantic Star that summer, listening to like Jeff Lorber records uh, in in the bus on my cassette on my Walkman, you know. Sure. But uh, th- just listening to the radio, I, th- the first System song was on the radio already in Times of Passion. I remember hearing it and go, "What is this?" Right. And I get home. So inventive. Yeah, it, so I get home. We're actually on the bus, right? You know, on the Jersey Turnpike, coming into New York City. You know, it's like like seven in the morning. So it's like we're everybody's just waking up. We're realizing we're we're coming into New York. So uh, we turn on the local radio station, KTU WKTU, uh, and on comes. I'm like, what? I said, I know this song, and all of a sudden we hear. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm listening to the radio on my wide eye. I'm like, that's Madonna. Oh my God. Yeah. Madonna's on the radio. And the guys are like Porter Carroll's like going to me like Who's Ma- Madonna? Who's this Madonna? What are you talking about? Madonna. <laughs> it's horrible. What so, is this Madonna? <laughs> <laughs> so uh I get home. I, I get I call her on the phone. I'm like, Madonna, what's the story? I I heard you on the radio. What happened? What is this? She goes, I got signed. I got signed. I'm signed to Sire Records. In fact, I want you to come in the studio. I'm not happy with the with 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 the guitar. And and it turns out I I didn't really I didn't realize she had been working with with Reggie Lucas, who's an amazing guitarist. Yes, of course. Who's just a great great musician and stuff. Mm-hmm. Who wrote um, Borderline? Okay. Um, but she and uh, Reggie weren't seeing eye to eye, so she fired him. So. I, I go in, and the first song that I she had me play on was something I had done on the demo, which was one of the songs that got her signed, which uh, was Burning Up. She really liked how I did these harmonics and stuff. Mm. So she had me play on Burning Up, and then uh, there was another song, uh, Lucky Star. She had me do the the guitar for, and that that's where I borrowed from the band Sky. You know, that really, that... Rhythm part that everybody had to cop, man. In in cover bands, right. whose part were they copying? Double P, <laughs> the other double P. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, man. From one double P to the to another. That's so right. I, it's funny because there was that uh, that Billy Jean kind of thing that that real the David Williams thing that that he was just so incredible at, and uh, I mean, I just I just fell in love with funk. I just love the yeah. funky thing, and if you know, it's just like it, it's funny, like how um, some people don't really understand what what it's about. How like uh, how each uh, each part is integral, but it's it's not about uh, it's about the simplicity of it in a way, and how how things work together or those moving parts. Like right. even like you can even do like something that's like a little sixteenth note stab, like. What e and a two, you know, like, but yeah. fitting that thing right in the right spot, mm-hmm. it becomes like this thing. Um, and um, what I love to do, I don't know about about you when I when I'm when I'm playing in that sort of situation, is to uh, really it's it's all about I play off the hi hat pattern, you know, like like oh. Ferroni Ferroni to me is one of, I love his hi hat patterns, and uh, like like touring with Madonna, we had. We had Omar Hakim on on, yeah. on on the road with us, but I've been spoiled. I get to play with people like you, people like Gene Gene Lake, you know. Oh yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm you know, buddy. <laughs> I, you know, I, I listen to Garibaldi. You know, somebody like yeah. him and his his inter, the interplay of of how he does those ghost notes on the snare and, and his his hi hat patterns. 
that's all the kind of like little, the, those little things. And it can seem very complicated, but in, in a certain way, there's a simplicity to, to fitting in and finding that part and finding. And uh, uh, it's, it's one of the things that I absolutely love about, about funky music, about funk and how that works. Tell me a little bit about uh, your relationship with Madonna. You moved from being buddies to playing in her band. You went on tour with her, right? Right. We're going to take a little break from the interview right now because I want to tell you about a couple of really cool things. First of all, we're having so much fun with our weekly one-minute funk jams called Funk Friday. We've had so many world-class musicians on Funk Friday, including members of the Steve Miller Band, Fleetwood Mac, Daryl Hall and John Oates, Earth, Wind & Fire, just to name a few. You can check that out on all of our social media, but you can also see it on our YouTube channel. I also want to take this opportunity to thank all of our members who have supported us on Patreon. Don't know what Patreon is? Go to www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. And there you'll get all sorts of information on how you can financially help us produce this podcast. There are all kinds of incentives listed there on the website, and there are many different levels on how you can become involved. We could not put on this podcast without our patrons. All right, let's get back to the interview. Your relationship with Madonna, you moved from being buddies to playing in her band. You went on tour with her, right? Right. Well, um, she, she always, she had a, an appreciation of, of where I could go musically or that I was always able to kind of figure out what she, what she wanted. Because oftentimes she'll know what she doesn't want, you know? And uh, isn't that funny? Yeah, you know, which a lot of people, a lot of artists do it. You know, it's uh, it's kind of like it's kind of think of it like sculpture in a way. You come, you have like this, you you have this mound of clay, and you start taking away things, and then all of a sudden, uh, a shape reveals itself to you. And so, I, 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 uh, I I actually don't mind working in that way. It's uh, almost like creative deletion, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, kind of like. I like to approach. Well, there's of course in in, in uh, any given situation the dynamic of how you work with uh, a, a given artist or producer has to you, you kind of establish it. Sometimes uh, people have a very definite idea of what they want. Well, here's, here's a question I've got for you that that I've noticed about watching someone who's a friend catapult into the stratosphere as far as their their career goes. You've done it as a sideman. I've watched it as a sideman. Have you seen your relationship? Did it change the way you and Madonna interacted from the time you met as hanging out, and then all of a sudden she's oh, this oh, superstar? Oh, I've, I've, I have uh, right. Well, that is a good question because it it, it is a, uh, and a, I don't mean I, that derogatorily at no, all. No, 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 just, not at all. It's but I I've see, I remember her, uh, during the first tour uh, in '85, uh, in towards the beginning. Uh, you know, we were all like, "Ah, oh, let's go to the movies." Yeah, uh, yeah, we all want to go. Who wants to go to the movies? And uh, you know, because we're all, well, you know, on the road, it's you kind of a road family, and uh, you know, you call around to everybody's room and you, yep. you get a group together, and like, it was like three or four, like four or five of us probably. Madonna yeah. being there, and she she already had a bodyguard. She knew that they knew that she was going to need one. It's she actually learned uh, on at uh, this one time that I'm talking about was just kind of the uh, it was a turning point where she got, kind of realized that can't can't work in it, or it's not going to be the same. Uh, it was right at the point where uh, the MTV videos were really hitting, so everybody knew who she was. She was it, very recognizable. She was kind of being herself, you know. She was because it wasn't like a costume that she put on, you know. To dress up, but you know, in her everyday life, she was Madonna. You know, so uh, I remember uh, us walking to the to the movie theater, and then there were like two or three kids behind us, following us, trailing us. And then we turn a corner, and then there was another like. Soon there were like twenty kids, thirty kids following us, and she just had she had to duck out with the, with the uh, bodyguard. She goes, "That's it. I, I, we can't go to the movies. We can't do this." So her we life all changed we all dramatically, yeah. Her life changed dramatically, and she had to kind of go into a protective mode, 
Um, she couldn't just, you know, when you're that famous, she, it happened fast for her. Well, the, the same goes for you though. I mean, you're on the road with all these famous people with Steve Winwood, uh, 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 Madonna, JLo, you yourself start, I'm sure start to get recognized. I, people There's recognize different- me more from, uh, I have to say of late people recognize me from the TV show from live from Daryl's house. Is that right? Isn't that something in, in like in the most kind of random places, you know, so you're more egotistical now than you were when you were, <laughs> 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 when you were 20, your head is quite piss off then. <laughs> yes, right. No, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. No, no it's a, it's a, it's a cool thing. It's kind of fun. Because uh, we'll be, I'll be like at the sh- at the grocery store, you know, something. Right. And somebody, I turn around, I'm like grabbing the Paul. Uh, hello, yeah, I, man, you are so good. I love the way you play guitar on this, and I'm like, Ugh. and what's Todd like? What's Todd? I'm like, you know, so I I, I like it. I, I actually I I don't mind, you know, I I don't I don't respond in a in a negative way at all. So yeah, hey, man. let's talk a little bit uh, about some of the different folks that you toured with uh when i bring up steve winwood's name tell me what that makes you think oh man i just 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 great admiration uh i i love i love his voice uh steve is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet he's so polite he'll he'll even shush people down as they're like you know for a standing ovation after a a great song or something he'll be like oh no 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 uh, this next song you know he's just really such a such a uh a, a uh, uh, such a nice guy, you know, and um, but a- after the show, is state he becomes this dangerous guy, dangerous guy because he's like, oh, one more pint, one more pint. Oh. I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, 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 two pints is good enough. Is I can't drink. I don't like. To, I'm not a drinker, really. Yeah. But uh, I'm not saying he is. But uh, he he's definitely a classic Englishman who likes he likes his ale or likes his sure. you know. Uh, I mean, fancy a pint, you know. <laughs> nice. Tell me about Cher. Cher was was a lot of fun. I didn't really tour with her for a long time. Uh, Paul Murkovich okay. is a, a good friend. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you you know Paul, don't you? Paul Murkovich. I know of him. I don't Keyboard player. Know him He's uh, he was uh, Cher's uh, musical director, um, and uh, we well it was for the 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 single Believe when Believe was released. I I got called in to work with her. Oh right. Okay. And uh, we did David Letterman Saturday Night Live. Uh, a couple other. Uh, TV so shows. So you did more of the shows than the actual. Yeah, tour. exactly. I didn't really I tour there. I, I played on albums. I've done uh, some uh, some of her studio stuff. Uh, I'd have to look up the song. It's uh, uh, uh While you're it, looking, I know the name of the band you were thinking of. It's called Dreams. Dreams. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Never. Never mind. We don't have to look up the song. That's okay. Cool. Okay. Don't the uh, the sh- the shares. Uh, I ended up playing playing on. Uh, her albums and uh, uh, playing this stuff live, these these yeah. live performances, which were very interesting. And it, it's interesting that it was for that song, uh, "Believe," because if that is right, love, right, love, and use it using uh, the the auto tune, and it was a really a turning point. Uh, uh, Huge, for, yeah, for that for was the a whole the can sound of worms that got opened on it. Yeah, song. you know, it's funny how uh, people were like, "Oh, you don't want to hear it. Yo, you can hear it. I can hear it." It's now, yeah, we can hear it. We want to hear yeah. it. Yeah, T Pain wanted to hear it. T Pain, right? Akon, uh, you know, oh, now man. everybody, uh, you know. So it's they, become a thing. I, I, I uh, you know, I, I have to say, I actually like when, like, when Stevie sings a little bit sharp. You know what I mean? He sings. A little above the tone, and sure does. Just like you know, with in opera, I'll, I'm going to backtrack into uh, in, into opera singers, and and there's a thing that opera singers do in in a theater, and it's use making use of the uh, of the Doppler effect. And we're getting we're getting a little scientific here. Uh, and uh, science you, alert! Science alert! <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you've ever stood on the street or in a playground and a siren, a, a fire truck goes by, or a police car with a siren on, or a ambulance, if you ever notice the sound, the pitch of the sound goes down, right? Yeah. Right. And that's called that's something called the Doppler effect. Um, the sense of you know how we perceive the pitch, uh, pitch falls, right? Knowing that. 
if you as a singer sing a little bit sharp, the note will fall into into key or into into being right. Versus you sing a little bit flat, you're singing already out and getting worse, right? Ooh. So <clears throat> opera singers do this as a as, as a, you know a way of because where their singing is up on a stage, the orchestra is often in a pit. So where their sound meets and to the listener is out in the theater. So there's all sorts of there's there's all sorts of stuff that's happening with the sound, the tone. So if they sing a little bit sharp out in the theater, it sounds right. Right? Before so, amplification, of course. This is all happening. This is all figured out before amplification. Mm-hmm. And it was probably just, you know, uh, uh, maybe somebody was just out there going, man, you're singing out of tune. He goes, no, I'm not. He goes, get up here. I was singing in tune. And then but the, somehow they figured it out. Mr. Doppler. Yeah, they probably had a few pints with Steve Winwood. <laughs> and they said, what if I just sing a little I bit in the back of the room? <laughs> yeah. That's how they figured it out after a few and, pints. And catch this dart. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring it. Let's fast forward a little oh, bit. Let's bring it into the present. Let's bring it. In, well, I want to talk a little bit about Hall and Oates because oh, okay. of the portion of your life that was, uh, you said that people recognize you from the show. You did a lot of great. Oh, great thank work you. Yeah, I loved. Guys. I loved doing that show. I, I was a musical director and guitarist for thirty-eight episodes. Isn't that something, yeah, man? man? And it was, came from t- the humble beginnings, right? A couple of camcorders, and all of a sudden it's like... Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. They really, yeah, they were just really a couple camcorders at Daryl's house with T-Bone and the guys and, you know, uh, t- uh, Uncle Todd. Todd coming over and playing, or, or, or Dave Stewart, you know. Uh, wow. You know, they, would, they went and visited Dave uh, on, his, on one of his riverboats in, uh, in England on the canal. Yeah, but that's all before I, I came to the show. Um, unfortunately, the reason I, I even got called to called in was because T Bone had passed. Right. It was really, right, it, right, right. He had an embolism, and uh, it was just uh, tragic. You know, a tragic loss, a huge loss, because he was such one of my brothers. You know, one mm-hmm. one of the people I really looked up to and loved his playing. He was just one of those people who had. Uh, no fear, and he, he would. Uh, he had this like this. If, if, uh, James Jamerson and Paul McCartney uh, could be, uh, you know, uh, fused together, you'd have that. You'd have T Bone because he had this funkiness, and he would just lay it down. He was the so state. You get state in and you go ahead. Oh, oh no! Well, he was. I was just going to make a little footnote there. He was state champion on accordion. No, uh, 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 when he was like fourteen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun fact that we fun little fun fact. Exactly. T Bone. T Bone Walk. Well, you had a big job there because there was a lot of musicians coming in, and I know that there wasn't a ton of rehearsing going on. That was fly by the seat of your pants, right? Yeah, you had to do your homework and uh, yeah, and and come in prepared, but then be able to really shift gears on a, on on a moment's notice, you know. And uh, it it was definitely a challenge. It was it was so much fun. And uh, the the actual one of the first shows that I did was the T Bone tribute show, and so G E Smith oh. was there. Oh, sure. And it was myself, John Oates, G E Smith, Daryl, and we we went through, did a whole bunch of uh, uh, we did a, a Delphonic song, and uh, it, it it was it was it was a sad occasion, but it, it was at, it was a celebration of of his musicality and of his life. And uh, I sure loved watching you on that show, and that was a great tenure. For you, oh, about, for sure. How many yes. years was that? Do you it was in four years? I did thirty-eight episodes. Oh so man, do the math. We we did not have a lot of time off, you know. True. So um, it it was great. I I really uh, loved. We got into like a nice routine, um, sure. Where uh, Daryl and I would listen to songs of the whoever the guest artist was, choose the songs, and then I would deal with the guest artist and right. let have them choose a Hall and Oates song or a Daryl Hall song to, to perform but don't choose the obvious dig deep you know we uh because ah. you know because a lot of people would do oh i want to do rich girl so yeah well guess what we can't do rich girl we did like we've done that like five times already right we need to choose some we need something else mm-hmm. so but that and uh and of course the uh the, the dinner segment was always great oh we'd have man. a get we'd have a guest chef and the food would always be great if you I'm notice if you notice that. brian dunn and, and whom my, I love, who, who's great, I and love me, him. 
we're always like stuffing our faces because the food's like great. Daryl wouldn't touch his food because he'd be on. He'd talk and he didn't want to have any. And he would hardly touch his food. He would eat, right. but you know yeah. he would drink the wine. But Brian Dunn and I would be there stuffing our faces because like oh, I can't believe how good this is. You know, and, and the, he's a funny character, man. He, he really is. And he's, a great drummer too. Yeah, great drummer. You spent so much of your life on the road. Do you, did you and do you have a routine? We talked a little bit about this before to stay healthy. I know you you actually you like I I have gotten into the best shape of my life on the road. How did how? Cuz it's funny cuz I know that a lot of other people on the road kind of fall off the wagon. With me it's like I I flourish. I do really well with, uh, with the time the the time constraints. It's like, you know, we have sound check is at a certain time. You have to be in the lobby at a certain time. So I'll just gauge it. I'll wake up and just hit the gym. You know, just I'll run for you know, I'll do at least 30 minutes on the treadmill or, or on the right. on the on the bicycle. I, I would lift actually lift first. But I get I would get into like a whole thing and pretty much all of the uh, hotels would have a gym or if they would didn't have a gym, I would find one in the area, you know. I I've become pretty disciplined when I'm on the road. It's the off the road stuff. It's trying to find yeah, like when I'm not on the road finding that that routine cuz sure. you know, and things now of course with kids and uh right. school and 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 things that come up over the course of a day or there is no routine, you know. There it's hard to establish a routine that is as uh, steady as as a as a tour, you know. And uh, it's funny. I'm not a big drinker. I would. I'll, I'm a social drinker. I'd have a couple of drinks here and there, mm-hmm. but it's not something, I, I, you know, I go to. Um, and then uh, I, I'm more like the. Uh, uh, it's funny if if you see like uh, in my room, you'd see like white powder. It's protein powder. It's like it's whey protein. <laughs> and, and then you go, oh, and there's the blender. You know, it's like, you know, uh, different white powder. <laughs> yes. And then what was around in the 80s? That's right, right. Of course, that, which was the downfall of a lot of people. But, uh, Ooh. you know, oh. so. Well, look, let's get you healthy first. And now, because I, I shared that, I'm I'm a, in a little bit of a. a, a so well, let's make here. a pact. You and I like need you, to make a pact. Hey, let's do I'm, it, man. Fist bump. Come on. Come on, baby. Let's go. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, um, because we only have about 10 minutes left here. Okay. How has your life changed uh, being a father and a husband? You got married uh, to, is it Tatiana? Tatiana, yes. Tatiana. 2013? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's definitely, it's different. It's, uh, there's a dynamic that's, that is, uh, that, that is established now that is so different from like, Throughout my career, where it's like if I just needed to go, I'd go, you know I was gone. I was if I need to do this. I'm, if I'm in the studio till five in the morning in the city or something, yep. But you know it it still happens now and then, but not not as as common. But like right now, I'm just finished a, a 24 day, uh, like just straight ahead, 24 days straight. I've worked every day in the studio with Robert Clavillis uh, on this new um, album project that band that he's producing new band from cc music factory cnc right? music factory uh, robert clavillis yeah yeah who, who, who i did uh, all those famous records uh everybody dance now yep i did yeah. that with in fact i used this to make that sound the old That's you playing that the old that zoom sound? yes i did not know that i thought that was a sample well it's a sample of me um say okay i did not know that i'm gonna do a little blog explaining how uh, how we made that sample but they had they had a little keyboard they had this little keyboard sound and it was really they had kind of taken uh it was really uh, it was almost like um uh the mission impossible uh theme you know but they just they they made it into four you know four four but um they they had a, a keyboard sound that was doing it but they wanted something a little bit more intense they wanted a real guitar so I played it down. I said, but there was like, you know, it being distorted because they wanted distortion. They wanted it to be power chords. They were like, you could hear the string squeaks and like the finger movements and stuff. So we ended up grabbing one of these guys, a drummer. Oh, I have it. I actually have one over here. Gate? Yes, the drummer, Gate. And 
So they keyed the gate to that keyboard sound, that little sure. silly keyboard sound to open and shut really hard. And so then I doubled the guitar. It's two guitars. And then they just key, uh, fed it through the, the gate that had been keyed to the other sound. And so it's dot, 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 dot. You, you know, know so. I've, I've known you this long and I didn't even know that was you. Isn't that funny? <laughs> ah, that's great. Yeah. That's I had, great. What you doing? Let's move forward because you're, you're doing new stuff with them in the, in the video. Yes, that, yeah, yeah. That I saw. Yes, that video. Over a million uh, views. Yes. Uh, uh, Yo Soy Latino is the name of the song. And uh, the band is called La uh, Latinos del Mundo, which means Latinos of the world. Um, okay. This is the latest creation and um, band that uh, Robert Clavillis has put together. I'm helping out. I'm uh, engineering. I'm co-writing some of the songs. I'm playing guitar on some of them. Uh, and, uh, on a large part, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, uh, uh, engineer and, uh, editor and stuff. So I, I've, I've, the last 24 days have been a whirlwind. I literally have just come down for yesterday was my first day off and it's just like, Oh my God. Well, I'm glad I could get you right back in the studio to do this. Yeah. yeah no, it's Tell cool. Tatiana, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Paul says hi and he's sorry. Yeah. He but, says uh, hello and sorry. She's a good advocate for you because I've been doing Funk Friday for 77 episodes. And she comes on my feet and goes, what's the matter with you? How come you're not calling Paul? And I'm like, because I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm at. <laughs> and then, of course, now that we, we've done that already and we're going to do more. But she, that was she's fun, cool, though. man. I like her. So I like she's, her so she's much. What, she's definitely somebody who's going to take initiative and uh, and get in there and As say well, something. she should. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. She's really... Uh, a big supporter and and uh, a, a driving force, you know. Good for you, man. Which I already have on my own, but uh, she's like, yeah. and she's really good with like keeping track of stuff, uh, invoicing, which is good. That's important. <laughs> That's fairly <laughs> important. You mean we get paid? And we yeah. get paid? Do I can get paid. For free, Paul. Yeah, do everything for free, Paul. <laughs> Double P. You just did this soundtrack for the Aretha Franklin movie too, didn't you? Yes, that just that. came out. We're so excited about it. It's a, a, awesome. a movie called Respect, and uh, I, I attribute. Uh, and it's funny. It's one of the names I mentioned earlier. Uh, the, the drummer from the Madonna band that I auditioned for and got the gig in, uh, Stephen Bray. Oh yeah, has done incredibly well in his career as a composer and uh, producer. He has. He had this band Breakfast Club. He uh, co-composed the stage play uh, for The Color Purple, which wow. was uh, which was uh, a hit. I mean, they they did well. Uh, they they won several awards for that, and uh, it was produced by Steven Spielberg and Oprah. And mm -hmm. uh, they handpicked Stephen Bray, uh, Pam Shane, and uh, Piano in the Dark. Uh, Brenda Russell. Brenda Russell. They da, all. Da, da, they, da, 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 da. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> Um, they uh they handpicked that those three to to compose the the color purple. So he's been doing other stuff and really kind of has always called upon me to come and play guitar and stuff on on the Breakfast Club albums. And I, I'm so grateful to him for giving me these opportunities. Yeah. So he he had been uh, we had been working on a couple things, and uh, he he let me know. He goes, listen, there's something coming up, and I want you to play guitar on it. I can't tell you what it is, but it's going to be very cool. And uh, lo and behold, you know, last uh, September and October, August, September, October, we uh, we we did the guitars. I did uh, all the studio scenes where they're in did the you? studio working out. You know, the, the, there's always two guitar players because the, yeah. the Swampers. That one guy would play the uh, uh, the Gretsch, a country gentleman, and then the mm -hmm. other uh, the other dude would be on uh, on on Telecaster. Uh, and, uh, so I was, the actors were there and they were actually, they were players. They could really play, but they had me put in, you know, you know, something that was studio quality. Of course, um, yeah. and uh, it was kind of fun. Cause you, you were the stunt double. I was the stunt double. I was like the, the <laughs> stunt double. right, right, right. <laughs> and, and I was doing like really kind of Foley. Cause that, he, there was a couple things where he moved his hand and I'm like, there's no sound there. Oh, we got to put a string squeak in there. You know, so really, yeah, that was kind of fun stuff. And oh, um, great. I did, uh, I did a much of the live, the live stuff as well. Like uh, Chain of Fools is something I, I really kind of got inside. Uh, uh, is it Joe South, 
I think is the name of the guitarist that played on that. But uh, mm. that tuned down to a C. It's like really mm. kind of the strings are floppy, you know, but that's that. If you listen to the intro of Chain of Fools, it's that that little kind of bluesy lick, but it's like really kind of almost sounds like a baritone guitar. It's a strat tuned down tuned down to wow. C. Yeah, wow. it's it's a very cool part. But I actually I listened down to that. I, I charted every nuance of that, of, of the way he played of the record uh, on, on a chart. So that I had something to really to follow and uh, then applied it to their live, the live treatment of, of that in that scene. So that's something I'm, I'm really proud of, but uh, really excited about the movie. It's been getting great reviews. I actually haven't seen it yet. I, cause well, I was in the studio working. Right. Ah! I haven't seen it either, but now I'm half even extra. You have to, you have to. to go check oh, it out because please. my double P brother is on. Come on, man. Hey, <laughs> you, you know, what's funny is that and I sit here and I, you and I, you know, we've known each other a long time, but this is really cool because I get a history on you. You've been doing this for a long time. Um, what keeps you motivated to this day? Because, you know, look, we ain't no spring chickens anymore, but then it, you, you seem like you're still hungry. What's yeah, it's weird. I am. I, I that's the perfect assessment, and it's it's. I have never lost that uh, that fascination, the hunger, the 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 excitement. You know, I, like hearing a so, hearing something on the radio, seeing going to the movie theater, and hearing something I worked on. It's just yeah. the the thrill. I, I still, it's just so thrilling. I've, it'll never get old for me. You know, and. Uh, I just feel incredibly uh, uh, lucky and, and uh, full of, uh, like full, filled with a feeling of gratitude, really. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't get old for me. And uh, yeah. it gets old for the people around me, like my family. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, how about the French Riviera instead of uh, movie theaters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, Dad. Dad. Right, come on. Right. So, and well, you've, I mean, what a, what a great career, man. One thing before we go, give me some advice for someone who wants to be the next Paul Pesco. What? Give some advice for up and coming musicians. What do you think? Well, the most just important keep thing keep is? an open mind. Really, keep an open mind, open ears, and try to learn as you know. It's funny. I remember there was uh, early on when I was when I was younger. There were certain styles of music that I really held above others. You know, I was like, oh man, this this is better than that. And you know, and I, I really didn't like country music. You know, but right. I, I have a new a newfound love for for everything. And and um, there's something to be learned from every, every style. And uh. Uh, and and it's funny it, to think about it. Like like there's these that's there that that's the reason I think that a like a punk band, you know. So you know, so some of these musicians who can hardly play their instrument could could land on something that's truly meaningful, because um, I actually have an an analogy. If so, if somebody doesn't speak English that well, does it mean that what they're trying to communicate to you doesn't mean as much, or isn't as important? So I take that same, uh, uh, I'll take that analogy and apply it to music. So if somebody really can't play music that well, or uh, isn't that proficient on their instrument, does that mean that something that they're hearing in their head, or if they're trying, if they if they get to it, it's not as meaningful? So uh, I uh, I used to discount, not not listen, only listen to the finest, you know, and and I still do. I mean, I I, I learn from the best, but uh, right. I, I have that, that's why I can listen to a Shags album and go, you know, they're they're kind of hitting something there. But uh, that's I, yeah. I think that. But keep an open mind. There's there's something to be learned from from almost everything, you know. Um, maybe uh, what to do, what not to do. But uh, mm. you know, but music is a language. It's not a sport. Uh, that, that's one thing that, I, that I, I feel strongly about in that if you go to YouTube, you, you see a lot of YouTube virtuosos now, which are, um, who, who are amazing on their instruments. But to me, it's like, why is Carlos Santana so, such a great artist? Because he, he understands the simplicity and, mm -hmm. and, and being able to play a couple notes and really just, you know, reach into your heart and, and communicate a feeling and an emotion. 
So, you know, approach approach music with that attitude, being really open. Don't be afraid to pl- play something in a simple way. You know? Right. Um, good, good word, man. Good advice for these youngsters. But got to tell you, this is so much fun for me. I'm sorry it Thank took you, so Paul. long to get you on oh, the, oh, please. the show. But, Look, but, I'm uh, here. I'm here. I've been here. And we're, we're not going anywhere. And now, you know, we're... We'll, we'll we'll be co- collaborating on some other stuff, you know. You I'm, and I got more... uh, on the session wire. We'll be doing it, you know. I oh mean, yeah! Oh, you and I have a lot more music to make together, man. And it's yes. such an honor to indeed have you on here and and call you friend for so many years. Thank you, man. You know I love you, man. I love you right back, everybody. This is Paul Pasco, my old buddy. We will see you in two more weeks. Thanks for for listening and watching. Thank you for having me. Take care, everybody. We're out. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson. Edited and produced by my buddy, Davide Razo. Artist relations by Owen Sartori. Video editing by Tanner Montague. And a very special thanks to the people who financially support this podcast. And remember to keep an open mind. Yeah.